Welcome to the Book of Mormon podcast, where it's all about uncovering questions, thoughts, and discoveries in your own personal Book of Mormon study. I know it seems crazy, but for over four years, I've been writing out the Book of Mormon, word for word, sentence by sentence, paragraph by paragraph. It's amazing what we can learn when we slow down and give space for personal revelation and insights beyond our normal reading pace. I'm Susan Gardner, a convert, a cyclist, and a Zuma to eight amazing grandkids. Come with me as we unveil new perspectives and understanding as I continue to write out the Book of Mormon. Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Susan Gardner, and you're listening to Writing the Book of Mormon podcast, Season 2, Episode 11. Sometimes you just gotta wait. You see what I did there? Ha ha ha. Waiting is an interesting concept for me. Like you, I've had many different opportunities to wait. We've all had to wait one time or another. Learning to wait begins at a very early age. I believe it's actually an acquired skill to wait. We could take it way back to infancy, having to wait to be fed or wait to be picked up or wait to be held. And as I grew up, I remember hearing my parents tell me, wait till you're older. I remember learning to wait until somebody's finished talking before I chimed in so I wouldn't interrupt. That's a hard one for me even today. Learning to wait is definitely something that should be grasped early because life ends up giving us a lot of opportunity to practice. Of course, I looked up the definition of waiting and found a couple of different descriptions. The first one is, stay where one is or delay action until a particular time or until something else happens. The second one is used to indicate that one is eagerly impatient, eagerly impatient to do something or for something to happen. And of course, I look for similar words in the thesaurus. Some were stand by, look out, anticipate, expect, count the days until, hold back, cool one's heels, hold on, Hang around, sit tight, and my favorite, hold one's horses. I know about holding your horses because as I rode my bike to a meeting place and had to wait for my friends to join me, as I'm sitting there, I'm anticipating a fun ride together. But you know what helps me to wait? The fact that I know two things for sure. One, they're coming soon, and I'm already ready once they get there. Or how about waiting in line at Disneyland? You know what fun's ahead, and because of that, you're willing to wait hours to get in the front so that you can climb into the seat and strap in. Both these examples of waiting for friends or waiting to get in a ride takes patience. But let's talk about the kind of patience it takes to wait for something you believe will happen, but don't know exactly when. To wait for something and not know when it will happen takes a lot of faith. When I think of people having patience to live their faith, I can think of many examples from the Book of Mormon. Let's see, there's a family of Lehi facing great struggle and immense hardship walking through the wilderness for years and crossing the sea only in the hopes that God would lead them to a land they've never seen. Or how about Alma, a wicked priest of Noah, after hearing the preaching of Abinadi, has a faith that changes whole life. Why? Because of a promised Messiah that would come hundreds of years in the future. These are examples of incredible patience and faith. Another great example of patience and faith I'd like to talk about today is a Lamanite woman we meet in the book of Alma in chapter 19. Her name's Abish. 
We're not given very much information about Abish, but what we do know is, although she's never made it known, because of remarkable vision of her father, Abish was a convert to the Lord for many years. As I slowly wrote out this chapter, I remember I was amazed at not only her patience to wait for her promises of a Messiah or a Savior to be fulfilled, but to be a believer for many years, living in a culture of unbelief, that was impressive. During my search in the thesaurus for similar words for waiting, I thought it odd I found the phrase, be ready. At first glance, these two words don't seem to have much in common, but as I continued to write out the story of Abish and became familiar with her experience, I began to understand better how these two words indeed have a connection when brought together. In chapter 19, verse 17, if we read that, that brings us to the place in Abish's story I'd like to start. The verse reads, Thus, having been converted to the Lord and never having made it known, therefore, when she, speaking of Abish, saw that all the servants of Lamoni had fallen to the earth, and also her mistress, the queen, and the king and the Ammon lay prostrate upon the land, she knew that it was the power of God. First of all, the very fact that a Lamanite servant is a witness to major leaders of your people pass out on the ground alongside an enemy Nephite, and seeing this as an act of God is remarkable. The words in this verse don't tell me this, but as I think about how she was able to recognize the difference between an act of God and an act of hate between warring people, my heart tells me Abish had to choose every day to live a life as an active, spirit-seeking convert. Arriving at this place in the story brings me to my next point. In an earlier podcast, I talked about what the term means, decision spaces. Now, we see those throughout the Book of Mormon. I define decision spaces as that moment of time between knowing what to do and actually doing it. In this story, I believe Abish comes face to face with two moments like these. Verse 17 points to the first of these moments. It says, And supposing that this opportunity, by making known unto the people what had happened among them, that by beholding this scene, it would cause them to believe in the power of God. Therefore, she ran forth from house to house, making it known unto the people. I believe in this instance the decision space is found between seeing the opportunity to encourage belief in her people and deciding to run and make it known. I believe when we find ourselves in decision spaces and go with our gut, as some describe, it's often the same as following godly inspiration. I also feel it's imperative that I point out here, following your gut, or what I believe is the spirit directing you, isn't always black and white or something clearly obvious. We can see it here with Abish. Even as a prepared believer, going forth in faith still can be a little uncertain. Here in verse 17 we see, she knew it was the power of God, but she supposed about the opportunity. Speaking personally, I've had many experiences, even as I've decided to go forward in faith, when there's often that little nagging doubt in the back of my mind. So, for this reason, I imagine Abish feeling a little trepidation while still holding to high hopes as she decides to leave where she is and run forth from house to house inviting all to come and see. Completely certain or not, she was ready. Way to go, Abish! Hey, 
there's the connection we were looking for earlier between the concept of waiting and the phrase be ready. All right. And sometimes, like my life, unfortunately, things didn't go as anticipated for Abish. It's true she waited, followed the spirit, invited, and people gathered, but their reaction to what they saw was not what she was hoping for. Instead, it went something like this. And now the people began to murmur among themselves, some saying that it was a great evil that had come upon them or upon the king and his house, because he had suffered that the Nephite should be, remain in the land. But others rebuked them, saying, The king hath brought this evil upon his house, because he slew the servants who had their flocks scattered in the waters of Sebus. For they were angry with Ammon because of the number which had been slain by him, and then of their brethren at the waters of Sebus, while defending the flocks of the king. Then one of these angry men had a brother that had been slain with the sword of Ammon, and he was exceedingly angry with Ammon. He drew his sword and went forth that he might lay and let it upon, fall upon Ammon to slay him. And as he lifted the sword to smite him, behold, he fell dead. <gasps> oh my gosh, don't touch him. Don't touch any of them. How did this happen? What is the cause of this great power? What could all these things mean? Ammon's the great spirit, others said. No, he was sent by the great spirit. Others rebuked them all and said, Ammon is a monster sent by the Nephites who torment us. Still others said, Ammon was sent by the great spirit to afflict us because of our iniquities. The great spirit always seems to be with the Nephites, delivering them out of our hands. The great spirit was the one that destroyed many of our brethren. And thus the contention began to be exceedingly sharp among them. And while they were thus contending, the woman servant who had caused the multitude to be gathered together came, and when she saw the contention which was among the multitude, she was exceedingly sorrowful, even unto tears. Can we just sit here for a moment and give this situation space? After heaven only knows how many years of being quiet about her faith and waiting for just the right moment to share it, she went with her gut and followed the spirit. Abish thinks she's seized the moment of a lifetime. Instead, she arrives to find the people she invited arguing and fighting amongst themselves, and the king and queen servants and Ammon are still unconscious, lying on the ground. Even though all seems lost, and it's as though she's in the middle of an epic fail, Abish finds herself in another decision space. What to do now? We are not told what gave Abish the idea to do what she did, but again, I believe it was inspired by God. But again, there's that little nagging, doubted voice that hangs on even as she moves forward in faith. I think this is a great example of how our eyes read the words, but our heart tells us the message. As I read this verse, listen for the words of uncertainty, yet feel Abish's courage and great faith. Verse 29, And it came to pass that she went and took the queen by the hand that perhaps she might raise her from the ground. Did you catch those words of nagging uncertainty? Anyway, considering all that she had gone through, what a relief it must have been to see the queen rise. After this took place, the goodness that followed was like a domino effect. 
As the queen rose and stood upon her feet, she praised God and was filled with joy. After praising God for her deliverance, the queen took the king by the hand, and behold, he arose and stood upon his feet. And I suppose so did the servants as well. The crowd that had gathered must have been too busy arguing amongst themselves and didn't notice everyone getting up, because as soon as the king got on his feet, he noticed the contention within the crowd and rebuked them and started teaching them what he had learned about God from the Nephite Ammon. Although there were those in the crowd that left and went on their own way, there were those that listened to his words and the words of other believers. Those that stayed and listened were changed, they were baptized, and had marvelous spiritual experiences, and established a church among them. Because Abish patiently waited and had faith to follow the Spirit and decided to move forward, even though she wasn't perfectly sure, she played a big part in something bigger than she could have ever imagined. She opened the door for her people to hear the gospel. To be completely honest, until I prepared for this podcast, I didn't discover what a key role Abish's faith played in bringing the gospel to the Lamanites. Think about it. Without her willingness to act upon the promptings of the Spirit, seize the opportunity to share what she saw as the power of God, and when all seemed lost and chaos surrounded her, she had the faith to move forward and do as she felt directed even though she wasn't completely positive it would work. After listing all her incredible attributes, I believe the best and most admirable trait about Abish was her ability to wait. The ability to wait is unbelievably valuable once we've grasped it, especially when it comes to waiting on the Lord. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes I have to wait a little while for my friends to join me for a bike ride, but they usually get there pretty quick. However, when I wait on the Lord, like anticipating answers to prayers or receiving impressions about what I should do next in my life, to be honest, often it requires waiting longer than I think. But that's okay because I've learned over time, sometimes you've just gotta wait. I'm never completely sure about how things will go after the wait's over, but there are two things I know for certain. One, is the Lord promised blessings will come. And the second thing is, like Abish, I must always make sure when they do come, I'm ready. It's not important to discover it first, it's more important to discover it for yourself. Slow pace, give space. If you like this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who also loves the Book of Mormon. And if you're on Facebook, be sure to like our page and join our community. You type in writing the Book of Mormon dash discussion group. This will keep you up to date and current with new topics and conversations surrounding our study. I do appreciate you and I hope you have an amazing day.